Hello, mighty people of the Most High and Magnificent God. This is Heather Miller, and I've come to bring you a message today straight out of the Word of God. Going to be talking out of Acts 3, Proverbs 15, 25, Isaiah 54, 13 through 17, Jeremiah 23, 17 through 20, Joshua 6, 1 Kings 19, and I don't know if I'll get to reading all that, but I'm going to reference those areas of the Word. Before I start today, I want to pray over you and over me. Father God, I come to you in the mighty name of Jesus as a blood-bought and ransomed daughter of God. Lord God, I ask that you would open my mouth and that you would shut my mouth according to your will and purpose for every soul listening under the sound of my voice. Lord, I ask that you would give each and every person listening today revelation, understanding, knowledge, and insights into your word and how it directly pertains to their lives. Lord, that you would use it to give them specific instructions that they would carry out in this hour in order to fulfill your word, your purpose, in Jesus' mighty name, and that their enemies, be it natural or be it by the Spirit, will flee because they know that they serve a great and mighty God, just as the inhabitants of Jericho. Amen. I um, have a word for you. I haven't been on here in a while. Um, I would like to share with you um, what the Lord is putting on my heart today. And some of you know that I do my... uh, my yearly fasting to the Lord is done in March. Um, I, I have shared this with you. Um, I want to expand on something and some ideologies about fasting before I begin. And how important fasting can be and what a blessing it, it is and, and, and how it can be such a blessing in your life, in your walk with God. And I want to talk about that for a minute. Um... um when I was a child, my mother, uh, she would fast, uh, but I didn't know she was fasting, you know. Um, uh, I don't think she fasted very often, but she did fast. Um, and there is some, I would say, some misunderstanding when it comes to fasting, okay, that needs to be understood by us, okay. It needs to be understood. Uh, fasting is not desi- is not for us to grab hold of it so we can we can brag to others about how long we fasted, or or um, <clears throat> or look super spiritual. Okay, that is not how it is supposed to be used. God won't honor that. You know that, and I know that. The matter of fact, Jesus said that those that would fast and make themselves look wretched before all the men while they were fasting, that that, uh, that didn't go anywhere with God. Um, <clears throat> but that to keep yourself, walk, get up, walk, rise up, anoint your head with oil, wash your face, okay? Uh, do these things. In other words, look presentable to the world while you're fasting, okay? And go on about your business. Does not mean that people in your life aren't going to know you're fasting, okay? Because let me tell you something. When you decide you're going to go on a long way, it's going to be real hard to keep it from your family. They're going to know, okay? 
Um, uh, but what it means is specifically in that day, there were people, uh, religious folks in the city that would, <clears throat> it was customary for them to make a big show of themselves while they were fasting. So they would look super spiritual in front of the population. Okay. God hates that. You know, God hates a lot of things. We don't like to talk about the things God hates, but we should more often. It would put the fear of God in people. Um, my prayer over myself and my prayer over uh, those that are connected to me spiritually is that we would learn to love the things that God loves and to hate the things that God hates. Not hate people, but hate the things that God hates. Love the things that God loves. So he, he doesn't like a boastful, proud, haughty, legalistic, religious spirit. That's the truth. And along with many other things. <clears throat> um, um, so understand that when you begin to walk in, in this, this, this. For some of you listening, this is going to be new territory for you. And I think that some of you will be inspired to fast. Okay? Uh, this is a season of fasting. This year, uh, <clears throat> from the beginning of the year, the Lord placed it on my spirit that this would be a year where there would be a lot of fasting for me. And uh, if it's for me, it's I'm not the only one. Okay? I'm not the only one getting the inner office memos from the Holy Ghost. Okay? Um, so there'll be, this is a year of God's people going to be fasting. God's people going to be seeking his face, um, for various different reasons and situations all throughout the year. And in that fasting, in that obedience, we're going to see breakthrough. This is a year we are going to see some breakthrough. This is not just a, a valley of the shadow of death, of walking through hard times, walking through people, uh, situations where people are getting so sick. We know what from. I'm not going in that today on this podcast. Uh, people are dying. We're not, I'm not, again, not going there. I've already talked about that so much. Okay. But we are walking through that season. When we walk through hard times that are pressing against us, ec economics, all kinds of stuff coming from uh, the higher-ups of this world, the enemy is making war against God's people. Of course, we're going to be going in with, into war. We're going to be going against that. Don't be disheartened. Be not dismayed. Neither be afraid. <clears throat> Be not afraid, neither be dismayed. <laughs> That's the way that goes. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed, my love. For the Lord thy God goes before you. It's not by your might, no, nor by your power, but by the Lord's Spirit that you're going to conquer all according to the will in the Lord. And, uh, according to the will of the Lord, being obedient. Um. The Lord God Almighty is the only one that you should give your blind obedience to. You ever heard that term, blind obedience? I recently watched a docu-series that just caught my attention and I just had to watch it. Matter of fact, it melds in really good with what I'm going to talk about today. Although it's not been what has inspired me. However, it just came to me just as I was speaking. But I watched a docu it's a docu-series on a certain church leader that was up in Tennessee, 
and uh, this woman had started a um, weight loss program for Christians, and it became very popular in churches, and it was even worldwide. And she made millions off of it. And um, one day she started her own church uh, that denied the Trinity, among many other things. Um, But she started her own church, and it ended up developing into a cult, uh, really a true cult. And she would actually excommunicate people from the church who who had gained too much weight or who were heavy set. It was very strange. It was very bizarre. And um, uh, there was a lot of interviews in this docu-series of people. And I remember one person said something about uh, she just demanded blind obedience. And that word, that term stuck in my mind. Blind obedience is so dangerous. It will destroy you if you are being blindly obedient unless you're being blindly obedient to the Lord, that you know God is telling you to do something, but you don't understand why, okay? Because if you are blindly obedient, obeying without question, somebody other than the Lord God, you are serving that person and they're an idol in your life. And they have set themselves up as a God in your life. Mm-hmm not a good thing. Anyways, the story goes with that woman that her and her uh, lover, who she called her husband, who she divorced her first husband to marry because he was too fat, um, they ended up uh, all dying in a plane crash. Seven people died. Go figure. God does not play. We are in a season where things have become desperate Okay, And God does not play. He has been pushed to the end of his patience. I feel that in my spirit because, see, the Word of God says that he is long-suffering, meaning he suffers a long time with people's wrongdoings. Have you noticed this? He suffers a long time with people's wrongdoings in hopes that they will turn their hearts around. But eventually there comes a day where God gets involved in a heavy way. And, um, so on my, uh, uh, that kind of, I digressed, which I always do, (laughs) but in my time of fasting in March, um, God's spirit moved and he moves different. seems like every time I do that every year, you know, it's just something I do between me and the Lord. I pray and hope to God that I'm always physically able to do it. It is a gift to me. And you'll discover that whenever you start pushing the plate away, it'll be a gift to you. Oh, and your body's going to be hungry. And you're going to want that chicken fried steak with the gravy and the black-eyed peas and the mashed potatoes. Yes, you are going to want it. But, but when you move into that place in your in your time of fasting, and the de- just determination comes over you to press into the things of God, to get to let God be your daily bread, you will discover that God will just carry you through. And you'll be like, I, 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 didn't, I don't even know how this is possible. And in that time, God is going to begin to download into you. I mean, you're going to begin to just feel the presence of God. I'm telling you, it's a beautiful thing. It's biblical. So throughout the Bible in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So... 
for those of you who feel that this is a word for you today, maybe this is a confirmation. Maybe it's something you've been considering, but you're afraid. Okay, you're afraid. Like, I don't think I can do that. You know, maybe you have your morning routine or your morning breakfast or some certain snack or dinner that you eat uh, a few times a week that you just you just don't know how you could do it. I'm telling you, if you'll take that step of faith, God's going to carry you right through it. And he will tell you how many days He will tell you how to fast. He will tell you. Not everybody's called to fast on only water. He may call you to fast in a different way. But pursue God. Be obedient. Because when in that obedience, you're going to find the breakthrough. It's going to be a breakthrough. Okay? I'm talking a crashing down of the walls of Jericho in your life. Hallelujah. I feel God on that. Um... But during that time, uh, I that was the busiest, physically uh, busiest I've ever been on a fast. And I didn't do my traditional, uh, I usually just do water, uh, do a little coffee in the morning. Water, uh, some lightly sweetened tea sometime, okay, because it's got that sugar in it to give me a little pickup. A little juice, I'm talking about like a fourth of a cup, maybe a half a cup once in a while if I feel woozy. And then maybe even uh, some a little bit of milk, okay? Once in a blue moon. Like if I just, oh, I need something, you know? That's how I usually do it, okay? But mostly water and, very, and, and occasionally very light and sweet tea. And I do this for several weeks, okay? But this month, this last month, the Lord uh, gave me freedom to drink a glass of chocolate milk every day. Now I drank a glass of chocolate milk. It was like a steak. <laughs> I loved it. It was like, oh. And you know, I didn't even know at that time uh, why it was okay because it was going to be the busiest fast that I've ever done. Usually my fasts are very quiet, but it was very, very busy. And I want to tell you, spiritually busy. And it was also very productive. Uh, The enemy began to attack me like I've never been attacked on a fast like that. And he tried to take away my blessings, uh, physically taking away my blessings. I have a little red uh, pickup truck that I know the Lord gave me. Me and my daughter call it our God truck because we we know it was a miracle. It was a gift from God. The truck was everything that I secretly desired in my heart but didn't think I would find and the thing had it was like it came in on a time capsule from 2013 red uh, f-154 by four with tan leather interior and it had set in this old man's garage under a tarp and he waxed it like a candied apple and he just kept it there he only put 10,000 miles on it the whole time he owned it for four years and it was just it came out of nowhere And it was the perfect price. It was like God said, here you go. Well, the Lord moved his spirit on me to do a certain thing with uh, some of my real estate projects that I have going on. And he has instructed me to move forward and take take the land, so to speak, figuratively speaking. And as I was being obedient to the Lord to consider all these options, you know, try to figure out, is this God telling me to do this? You know, and I felt a pickup in my spirit. Things felt peaceful. Things felt right. And lo and behold, if somebody did pull right out in front of me here after I left my, my, uh, my land, uh, came home to, 
to uh, here in the town I live, somebody pulled right out in front of me that, it, it, I mean, turned right in front of me and uh, wrecked my truck. And uh, me and my daughter, uh, I remember when we first looked at each other after that happened, it was that look like, did we just wreck our God truck? <laughs> it was. It was very unnerving. And um, long story short, I had to really go to battle for that. I was not going to let Satan take from me what God had given me. Because, see, it's, it's different. When, when it's just a thing that you got for yourself and, there, you know, that's a different thing. But when it's something that God gave you, it'll make you mad. It should make you mad. And you should stand up and say, no, the enemy is not going to take what God gave me, what he intended to be a blessing to me. And I had to really go to battle with it. So I began to do that, and God won the war. And the next week, there was another attack, an attack on my daughter. I had to go to war on that. Next week, another attack. I mean, I'm talking about attack after attack after attack. And then, until recently, um, uh, the Lord showed me plainly, the enemy's attacks are limited. And I saw the word limited in capital letters, limited, where he tries to come in and take, steal, kill, and destroy. But his attacks are limited, and God's people will win the battle. God is in a place of restoration for his people. Many of you who have lost hope, many of you who have come to the point where you just feel like, I don't think I'm ever going to see a resolution here. God is saying right now, breakthrough is on the way. When I was in the middle of all this, of that fast last month, I woke up one morning, early in the morning. The Lord spoke to me and with one word, which he often does. He uses a lot of words with me. And the word was breakthrough, just as plain. But we hear that word all the time, don't we? Yeah, Heather, what's new? Breakthrough. Okay, I've heard that a dozen times if I heard it once. I know what you're talking about. You hear it all the time. Everybody wants the breakthrough going on and on. But but most uh, th- what happens is people misuse and misapply things so often in the church and claim to prophesy that, it, that when real prophecy is coming at you, a lot of times we're tempted to miss it. Okay? Don't be tempted to miss this one. So my spiritual mother called me shortly after that, maybe a couple of days, maybe a few days. And I told her what I was dealing with and all these attacks. And she confirmed to me and edified. She confirmed. She said, yes, that's the word that she was just preaching. That was the word to the body in her church. Breakthrough through prayer and fasting. Another thing that the Lord has put on my heart. Now listen here is we need to be praying against the principalities of the air in our regions, okay? Uh, You need to be praying, praying for God's righteous, true, and merciful judgment, which I'm going to talk about. It's a good thing. Nothing for believers to be afraid of, okay? It is a good thing. I'm going to talk on that. But we need to be praying for God to sit things straight for his people okay and he is he is not playing okay um 
still want to talk about some things that the Lord has put on my heart again. As I've begun to uh, pursue the Lord again, okay? Um, the reason why I was allowed to have a glass of chocolate milk <laughs> every day is because I needed the physical strength. I did. I had done, I did so much traveling and meeting uh, contractors and uh, this unexpected project was laid on me on uh, March the 2nd and I began to pursue the Lord. I began to get excited and say, is this what you want, Lord? And I began to go busy, busy, busy ever since then. I mean, going, driving here and there. I would not have been able to do that unless I had been led by the Lord. Sometimes you're being led by the Lord, friend, and you don't even realize it till after the fact. And then during that fast, the Lord told me, there'll be another fast here coming shortly. And during the, that March fast. He told me, you're about to step into your place of authority. And authority is something I want to talk to you all about today. You are about to step into your place of authority, mighty men and women of God. You may say, oh, come on, Sister Heather. I don't know about me. You know, I'm nobody or I'm not anybody like that. You know, I just want to live my daily life. No, my love. No. Authority is where you battle in the spirit and then you battle in the natural. See, when the Jews were conquering the land, the battle was designated for them to win it first spiritually. And then it happened in the natural. But in this world... So oftentimes, believers, because we're natural human beings, we battle in the natural first, and we strive and we struggle, and then when that's not working out the way we want it to, then we go and run to the spiritual side of things and start asking God, right? That's not the order for a believer. We are under kingdom authority. We are kingdom citizens. And we have kingdom authority. So when we go into our Father God to plead our petitions to Him, we walk in as blood-bought, ransomed children of the Most High God, and we go before our Father. We go before Him. We ask Him what we need. We tell Him what our troubles are. We tell Him what our battle is that we're facing. Okay? And then he rules righteously and he judges righteously on our behalf. And then we go forth and we take care of the order of things in the natural. Amen. Hallelujah. I hope you're getting something out of that. But that is your authority. Okay. Being at the foot of the cross and being at the foot of the throne of Jesus. Um, I want to start in Acts chapter 3. And I want you to hear this word. This all comes together. Um, Peter and John uh, walked in the authority of God. Okay. What they said was not out of their natural mind or out of their natural heart, their own spirit. God's word came upon them and God's will. And in that moment, they were, they were led by the Lord and their, the words were articulated faster than their human minds could have ever imagined. And they spoke over this man that lay at the gate called Beautiful in the authority of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to read that starting with verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple of the hour of prayer 
being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask an alms, alms being, uh, give me some coins, give me, help me, you know. Um, and Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. So let me say that again. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. So when he said that to this beggar, this lame man, it was a command. It was done with authority. He said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. So you can imagine the man looked up. And then Peter, Peter said, In the power of the Holy Ghost... Listen to this. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That kind of authority doesn't come from you or me. It comes from the Holy Spirit that resides in us. Oh, that's wonderful. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Authority. That's what I'm talking about here. True authority that does what? That sets the captives free. That authority is not just given to you for you and your household. It is. It is for you, loved one. It is for you to take authority over the enemies attacking you and attacking your loved ones, okay? Or attacking any of your borders where God has placed you. But it is also to be used, okay, to set the captives free, which is exactly what they did. Isn't that wonderful? Um, how many captives need to be set free, so to speak, in your region where you live? How many captives? How many have been oppressed? How many people have been done wrong? How many people have been cheated and lied to and stole from? Hmm? Thinking about these things, thinking about the hurting. And when you begin to pray on behalf of the people, God is always going to meet your needs. You don't need to worry. God's going to meet your needs. But some of you listening right now are being called to a higher purpose now. You're being called to take authority over your region spiritually. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed. God says he will set your face as flint before them. Look not upon their faces. Okay? Just go forth in the might and the power and the courage of your God. Even if you're scared, do it scared. It'll be okay. God will be with you because we are living in an hour right now with you know what we're living in I talk about it all the time we're living in an hour where evil is just running rampant everywhere and God's people are going to have to stand up like mighty soldiers it's going to have to happen first in the spirit and there's only a few of us even among the Christians now I'm going to talk it straight to you this is true there's even among the so-called Christian population and the true Christian population, true. I'm not saying they're not true. I'm saying that they are. They're God's people. Okay? Um, but there's not a lot of people from among the Christian population that's been called to some of the things you're being called to. 
Okay, there's not a lot, but God has sent uh, set uh, leaders among the people. Um, he has set His word in the mouths of many gifted people in the body of Christ that He chose you for a special time for such a time as this to rise up in this last hour, begin to pray and fast, begin to take authority over over the enemy and over the evil that's trying to prevail over our lands and and to seek the Lord's face for instruction because it's not just about you it's about others hallelujah I recently encountered a situation that the Lord made plain to me I couldn't get away from it through a series of circumstances that could not have been anything they could not have been coincidental and the Lord put me to uh, a task similar to that, seeking, seeking God's face for justice on behalf of, of some others that have been done evilly and wrong. And um, I do need prayer. I need prayer. I need you to cover me. Uh, if you think of praying for me, I would really appreciate that. I have had resistance and I just keep pushing forward. And... That being said, I'd like to move on um, to Isaiah 54, 13 through 17. Um, I love Isaiah 54, and I've preached out of it before. And I've also uh, read it on this podcast, if you'll go look it up. But I wanted to start uh, talking about authority here. Verse 13. Now, this whole chapter here, I love. I love it. I claim it. I grab hold of it. I I love it so much, I think I'm going to put it on, on a sign on the front of my little new home that I'm going, that I'm going to have. Um, I love it. Um, I'm just going to put the, cha- the book number in the, ver- in the chapter, like Isaiah 54, but it's, it's so powerful. Um, 17 verses of power and promises from God, and it's spoken to me quite a bit. Um, but verse 13, starting at 13 is where I like to start. Um, it's a mixture of promises and also authority. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of thy children. In righteousness shalt thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression for thou shalt not fear and from terror for it shall not come near thee behold they shall surely gather together but not by me whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake behold I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work and I have created the waster to destroy Now ponder upon that. What is he talking about? He is not playing games. Like when it gets to a place where the enemy is so hard on our trail that he will even take away our life, try to destroy God's people from this earth. Say he'll never destroy all God's people from this earth. (laughs) If he could have done it, he would have already done it. There is a God that walks with his people on this earth. The great and mighty God, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's our God. Okay? But he created. He says, I 
have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work and I have created the waster to destroy. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper and every tongue that rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. So let's think about that for a minute. We're always told uh, that we should be kind and kindness is a virtue and being nice makes you righteous. Where, where, where do we ever get that? That's false teaching that's been taught to us. Does it mean that we should be ugly to people, hateful? What? No. <laughs> you know God's going to get a hold of you if you act ugly and hateful. That's not what it means. But what it's done is these kind of mentalities and teachings have, have tamed down uh, the people to believe that we're not even supposed to stand up for ourselves in the earth. And it couldn't be farther from the truth. The Word of God tells us that we are allowed to stand up for ourselves and stand our ground in the righteousness of God when evil people are coming against us. Hallelujah. Absolutely. And they did it all throughout the Bible over and over and over again. That somehow people think that when Jesus came down and died on the cross and rose again, they think that uh, God changed. Suddenly, uh, God changed. God became nicer after that. He's now a nice God in the Old Testament. He was a mean God. I've actually heard, heard these mentalities. They don't say it quite as childishly as that. But if you listen to what they're actually teaching... It's so childish, spiritually childish. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He never changes. We change. And then we try to make a new God that fits our, fits our comfort level a little better. No! He never going to change. And the authority that He has given you to walk and to take authority over every snake and serpent and scorpion in this earth, it's not changing either. Hallelujah. Be not afraid. And some of you, as you begin to press into prayer and fasting, some of you may even be being persecuted and pursued right now by people who are being used by the devil or the devil himself or whatnot. Uh, spiritual forces coming against your life to, to try to uh, uh, make a wreck out of your life. Uh, when you begin to press in, when you begin to press in, seeking God's face, be not afraid. God will be with you as you pray. And some of the things you pray may surprise you. Hallelujah. So the word says here that um, every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, you shall condemn. According to right, right thinking, according to righteousness before the Lord. Okay, so you have authority as a believer over these, these over your enemies. Let me just say it like that. Go in, go read uh, Psalms. Go read you some Psalms. Everybody says Psalms. I've heard so many people, they don't even understand Psalms. Psalms, um, uh, Psalms is not a walk through the daisies. 
like people so oftentimes um, portray it to be. You get in there to Psalms, you start hearing the, the, the rhythm of David and the things that he prayed. I've heard so many things from over the years, people saying, uh, <laughs> I heard a very famous preacher one time. He said he got sucked up to heaven on some kind of a spaceship. <laughs> it was kooky. And then he said he actually got to talk and walk with David. And, and David said that uh, what he said in Psalms, a lot of those things was him uh, uh, not being in the spirit of the Lord and not being or being fleshly and that he was wrong and all that. And I heard that and I thought, that doesn't sound right to me. That doesn't sound right to me. No. Why would God allow uh, King David to publish all these beautiful songs or psalms? Uh, it was spoken by the mouth of the Holy Spirit through David. Okay. Um, people want to recreate a new God. A God that fits their taste better. A God that wouldn't say such things like he said in the Old Testament. They better stop. Those idols are going to fall down. That false Jesus is going to fall down. We are responsible for getting to know the truth about, our, about Father God. Jesus and not be offended by the word it is better for the word for you to fall on the word and be broken than for the word to fall on you okay we all know this hallelujah even his judgment is from his love I've spoken this before I'm gonna talk about that here so we talked about authority authority in Acts 3 authority in in uh, Isaiah 54 and beautiful promises. If, if you haven't read it in a while, go back and read the whole chapter. It'll make you happy. Um, now I'm going to pop over here um, to... I think I'm going to go to... Um, bless my heart here. I can't find where I need to be. I'm trying to decide if I should go to Joshua... Six. Um, yeah, I think I will go to Joshua 6. Just the chapter. Joshua 6. And talking about Jericho. Why is Jericho important? Jericho is very important. Okay. I have never focused a lot on Jericho, although I talk a lot about the promised land story. Um, God showed me many years ago that there would be some things that would parallel in my life with that story. Many of you are the same way. The promised land is oftentimes misinterpreted as a as a uh, um, a land grab or something, <laughs> you know. Um, no, ain't nothing like that. It's not about the stuff, okay? That is a that is the side uh, subject of that whole story. It is about walking out into in a journey of obedience to the Lord into a place of blessing maybe this sounds like prosperity gospel okay that's okay i don't really care what you call it um i'm very much against pros what we call or term prosperity gospel is actually linked to new age occultism and if you want to know more about that go back to uh, plain vanilla christianity done last year in 2022 okay so please don't associate what i'm saying with prosperity gospel Okay, prosperity gospel 
uh, that term, the whole movement of that is uh, connected to the I am activity that Guy Ballard came out with in the 1930s. And if you want to know more, go to Plain Vanilla Christianity on my podcast. But does God prosper his people? Yes, he does. Okay, yes, he absolutely does. And to say that he doesn't is completely uh, misaligned with the word of God. Okay, he brought them into a land of peace. He took them from their slavery, their heavy burden of slavery. He took them on a journey that was hard in the wilderness. And at the end of that journey, he caused those that were faithful to enter into the freedom of rest. Okay, which is so symbolic with our, uh, to our walk with Christ. It's so, yes, it's not about just the stuff and the getting of the stuff, okay? Or the money or the finances or the husbands or the wives or whatnot. It is about the journey of walking into freedom, true freedom. Because you were once a slave to your sin. Egypt was your master. Pharaoh was your master. You were a slave to your sin. You went on a journey. It was hard. You had to trust God. And then you walk into the spiritual maturity of your Christianity where you find rest in God. Rest. Where you now eat of the daily bread of the Spirit. Okay? Hallelujah. I hope somebody's getting something good out of that. So, Jericho, very important story. And I... Uh, encourage everybody to refresh themselves on it <clears throat> during this season. I uh, believe that many people who have been oppressed for quite a while are about to be restored. I am praying for the restoration of God's people in my region. People I have not met, Lord God. People I will never meet people I may not even see until I get to heaven, but those who have been done wrong, those who have been lied to, stolen from, and oppressed, Lord God, I ask that you would restore what the enemy has taken from them. And Lord God, I ask that you would lop the heads off of every viper and snake, every dishonest uh, servant of the devil in, in my region who has submitted themselves to the workings and the will of the devil and that you would strip them of their authority. And that it would be a good and righteous thing, Lord God. And that if it be possible, if they will allow their hearts to be softened, that, Lord God, you will even use it as a chastening to turn the wicked ones to you, that they would have a time to repent. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Hallelujah. Yes, it's time for those who have sat in authority, being Satan's servants for so long, to go down. Yes, yes it is. And so Jericho had to go down. Why? It was right there at the beginning of the entering in. Jericho had to go down. Why did Jericho have to go down? Because if they didn't take Jericho down, they would not be able to live in that land with peace. They will always be causing trouble for them. So God does designated. They had to come out. And you know, Jericho, we know the story. They had already heard of the great and the mighty power of their God before they showed up. And they ran in the city and shut the door. And the Lord told the people to march around the city once a day, every day, for six days in total silence. And then on the seventh day, seven times, 
six passes in total silence, actually seven passes in total silence. And then at the end of the last pass, there was a shout that came up out of the people. And I imagine it was not a forced shout. It wasn't like, okay, now it's time for us to shout. I don't believe that. That's just my theory. I believe that the joy and the power of the Lord came upon them and that they saw and felt the victory, suddenly the release in their spirit, and they couldn't help but shout. You know how when you go to a football game? (laughs) I like high school football games. Those are lots of fun. I don't like professional stuff, but I, I do enjoy watching the kids, you know? But, you know, like you go to a football game or whatnot, and they make the touchdown, and everybody just involuntarily just jumps up. They can't help but shout. They can't contain their excitement because they just saw the victory. I believe that. I believe that's what happened when they shouted on that seventh pass. They felt it. They felt God. And they knew it in their heart of hearts that they were the victors. So that's a great story. Um... I have to tie this in with 1 Kings. Okay, we're talking about authority. We're talking about uh, that the wicked ones, they can only rule for so long. Mm-hmm. And these people that have all these demons crawling around in them, they know their time is short. Um, I would like to talk about another scripture real quick that um, is also also taken out of context all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's that scripture that says we, we fight not against um, flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. Okay. Yes, this is true. This is why the Lord tells us to fight things in the spirit. It goes back to what I was saying earlier is we need to be fighting and taking authority and going to God in the spirit, praying, fasting, uh, seeking God's face go into spiritual warfare first because that's where you're going to get your strength that's where you're going to find your authority your place of authority and your instructions from God and then once you get your instructions from God love then come and do the things that need to be done in the natural okay God will show you okay because otherwise if you try to fight the devil on his own turf which is this natural world hear this okay the word says that this is Satan's world. He's running around in here doing what he does for a season. Uh, but you keep trying to go into Satan's own turf and fight him on his own turf, and you just keep getting worn out. Have you thought that maybe you need to go into the spirit where you have authority, where we are seated uh, in heavenly places with Christ? Go there first, get your instructions. There you have authority. Okay over the principalities of darkness and the powers that be. And then you come back in equipped. I think that's a word for somebody. I think somebody listen to this, you're going to hear this word, okay? You've been doing it backwards. But you're going to figure it out. You and Jesus are going to figure it out. He's already got it figured out for you. <laughs> okay, so um, I want to talk a little bit about Jezebel. Okay, this may end up being a two-part podcast. I hope not, but um, i got to get this wrapped up here because i got a lot to say. Um, Jezebel, you've heard a lot about Jezebel in the last probably 15 to 20 years. There's been books that have come out and so forth and so on. Um, uh, But this is a real spirit. Um, This is a real spirit. 
Um, I need to go back for a second. Hold on. Before I move on to talking about Jezebel, I need to go back to this scripture. Hold on. Where it says, we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and, okay, in high places. Let's talk about that for just a second. One more thing I need to say that's very important. Um, people, the watered-down church that's drinking the watered-down wine that does not like the authority and, a pa- and the power of God near them because it makes them feel insecure. Okay, that's true. They hate when God is presented with authority and power. Okay, because... Uh, their hearts are in rebellion. That's just as plain as it gets. Their hearts are haughty and in rebellion, and it's all rolled up in sugar to make it look good. It's like a dog turd rolled in sugar. It looks uh, sweet on the outside, but there's a surprise on the inside. It's filthy and it's vile, and the insides of them are uh, corrupt because they have not submitted themselves to the authority of God and that's why they resent the authority of God they resent the power because the power is the authority of God to be in holy reverence of our God I'm so sorry I used that analogy that was really a gross analogy (laughs) I'm so sorry I just couldn't think of anything uh, for that moment I, I will never use that analogy again but the Lord said it this way they were whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones on the outside they look beautiful it right, but on the inside is full of death. Okay, they want to quote this scripture and say, "Well, w- that doesn't mean that we're at war with the people. We need to pray for the people. Just pray for them." Do you see how Satan takes and warps and twists God's word to make us um, ineffective, to make us weakened, to strip, to try to strip our authority? Um, I can tell you certainly, yes, we are at war with some people, without a doubt. When you are dealing with people who are demonically submitted and want to do evil, evil things and want to kill, steal, and destroy just like their father, the devil, okay, you're at war with people. You're at war with the people who have submitted themselves to those high powers. Um, We fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities in high places uh, that are controlling those people. So yes, we, we we have a natural battle there that we are fighting also. But what, what Paul was saying in that, in that, that verse is he was saying, um, you, you're trying to fight with flesh, but it's bigger than that. We're fighting against forces that are controlling those, that flesh. So fight in the spirit first. Fight in the heavenly first. Go to your place of authority in the throne room of God. Go to that place where you are seated in heavenly places with Christ. That's where the root of it is. That's what he's saying. Um, Not that you should make excuses for people who are doing wicked things and just say, oh, just rub them on the shoulder and say, oh, we're just praying for you. That's naive and that's foolishness. Okay. Uh, That's a problem in the Christian churches today. 
to Christianity in general is that we have been made um, naive in so many ways. Naive. Um, so, going over here, I hope you're getting something out of this. Um, hope I haven't offended you or caused you to turn the podcast off. But if you have, then oh well, I can't do anything about that. I've just got to speak what the Lord has given me. Okay? And I still love you. Um, going over here uh, to 1 Kings 19. And... Um, Oh no, I think I missed it. Hold on. I've got to find my... I was supposed to go over here to Jezebel for a minute. Um, Bear with me. Bear with me. I did it again. I wrote down the wrong verse. Mm -hmm. I wrote down the wrong one. Okay. Oh my goodness. I've done this before on this podcast. Here I am. I'm so sorry. It was actually 2 Kings uh, uh, chapter 9. Okay. And refreshing ourselves on the story of Elijah and Ahab and Jezebel and Jehu and all these other players that were part of that whole development, that story. Um, we know that Elijah was a prophet of God. He was a powerful man of God. And um, he uh, uh, challenged the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And then once they lost that challenge, he had them uh, killed by the river. He had them killed, physically killed by the river. Jezebel got very angry. And there were other stories that went on, such as uh, Jaboth's vineyard, um, Ahab pouted and wanted to possess. He coveted Jaboth's vineyard. And then uh, Jaboth would not sell it to him because it was his inheritance. It was special to him. It's passed down to him from his fathers. And so Jezebel, he went and pouted to his wife like a little boy, like a little child. Uh-huh. And so she ended up having uh, uh, Naboth killed. And then Ahab possessed uh, Jaboth's field. Naboth, Jaboth, something like that. Forgive me. Um, I had this down before I started. I had made my notes. Naboth was his name. I just feel like kind of like I'm being attacked right now. I I know that I had that all down uh, before I began sitting down here. The enemy wants to do things sometimes to try to make us look illegitimate in front of people. Um, I just read that story last night. Uh, Regardless, I don't care. I'm going to go forward. Anyway, so he wanted the field and Jezebel went killed for it. She's a murderous spirit. Um, but in the end, she was judged by the Most High God. And we battle these spirits in real life. If you've ever had an encounter with a true Jezebel, um, it is literally hair-raising. And I have on more than one occasion. 
and uh, I have heard preachers preach about Elijah and how Elijah was, uh, uh, what, how Elijah went into hiding into a cave. And I have heard more than one preacher say, uh, Elijah was run off by that little woman. Why was he so scared of that little woman? That was the most ignorant thing among many things I've ever heard preached. Because if you are a true prophet of God, and if you have a, a word on your life and you have a message for others, Satan wants to shut you up and shut you down and he's going to find the nearest Jezebel he can to make war with you. And that spirit, what it feels like is it feels like well, it feels like somebody is practicing pure witchcraft against you. And they very well may be practicing actual occultic full witchcraft against you, depending on uh, what they believe or what they're into. Uh, I've seen uh, proclaimed Christians that were Jezebelian in their behavior. Uh, the fruits were rotten. And all of their behaviors were Jezebelian behaviors. And I'll explain what I mean by Jezebelian behaviors. You may be able to identify with this. But you feel uh, almost like an anxiety will come over your spirit. Uh, it's a deep down feeling of intimidation and dread. It's like it sits in the pit of your stomach. And it'll make you anxious. And you won't know why you're feeling these feelings. Um... Uh, if you start going through something like that, you feel like you just want to cut, huddle down and hide. You don't even know why. I can guarantee you there's a Jezebel nearby. There's a Jezebel that has targeted you spiritually. And so you need to begin to go and to pray against that in Jesus' mighty name. And you will have authority over it. And um, there are things about Jezebel that you need to know about. And yes, I am going to bleed this over into, into a second part, okay? Um, because it's important. I need to finish it, okay? Jezebel has many traits, okay? First of all, Jezebel is always about control in any means whatsoever in order to get control, okay? You'll see lots of Jezebel spirits are cult leaders. They're master manipulators. Um, they use all manner of different kinds of manipulation in order to control, because that's the golden nugget for them. They want control. Okay, it's very, that's from the pit of hell. That's not from God. Okay. Um, they are irrationally vengeful. Like they will become so vengeful. Okay. It's just irrational. You'll see that's a trait. I've noticed that. Uh, Jezebel always abuses her authority. And Jezebel can be a man or a woman. A man can have a Jezebel spirit and an Ahab wife. Okay. Um, and then you can see the classic Jezebel woman with an Ahab husband. Or you may say, see a Jezebel woman with an Ahab son. Okay, it could just go on and on. These Ahab always is passive, pouty, covetous, uh, jealous, and uh, just churlish in general. Okay, and um, he gets Jezebel to go do his dirty work too, but she does his dirty work also. Uh, he does her dirty work also. 
Uh, she always abuses her authority of whatever position she's in. She'll oftentimes volunteer for many different um, things in order to, like in churches and programs and different places in the community, because they like to be in a position of control. That's just all there is to it. They love it. They love to have authority over others. Uh, and it's an illegitimate authority. I'm about to say goodbye on this podcast and I'll meet you over on part two. God bless you. Stay with me. I'm going to, um, I'm going to refer you to a wonderful book and then I'm going to pray for you. Hello, mighty people of the Most High God. So here I am back again, continuing on, talking about Jezebel. We're going to talk about this story. We're going to wrap it up soon. Um, Talking about the traits of Jezebel. Why is it important that you understand Jezebel? Especially if you're going to be going into prayer and fasting anytime soon. Or the Lord has laid it on your heart that this is a season for you to explore uh, fasting as part of your walk. It's very important. sweetie because as soon as you start fasting Jezebel's gonna pop her head up somewhere and you need to know about it you need to know how it operates you need to know not to be afraid you need to know that that spirit will be defeated um, we have to learn as uh, believers walkers of this in the spirit uh, how to make war how how do we make war our weapons of warfare are not of this natural world okay hallelujah So, understanding your authority over Jezebel is very important. And I want to suggest a book for you. Um, It's something that I I set me free years ago. Um, I had had been uh, in battle with that spirit for many years before I knew what it was. I was a very young woman in my mid to late 20s the Lord spoke to me one day and very loudly and plainly not audibly just in my spirit and revealed that there had been witchcraft practice against me in my life and it come from somebody that I would never expected but I had continual turmoil almost all my life with this person this person was very manipulative uh, um, and he spoke to me witchcraft and mind control that's a specialty of Jezebel and then he said Jezebel spirit and I remember rushing into the house and I told my husband what I had just experienced and I said I've got to go to the bookstore immediately Christian bookstore see if I can find something on this. I had heard about it before, but I didn't really know the depths of it or any of the details. So I went to the bookstore and the Lord led me to a book called Confronting Jezebel. Author is Steve Sampson. That book was chain-breaking. Matter of fact, I keep extras of that book on hand just to give it to people when I need to. Um, You can get it on Amazon. Okay, probably about any Christian bookstore if you can find one near you. Um, but he he goes into detail, and, and I love the way he presents this. This is Jezebel. It's not just a... When we think of Jezebel, you know, you think of some seductive, slinky woman. <laughs> 
that's come to sexually seduce everyone. That's usually the term we use for, you know, people use for women like that. She's a Jezebel, you know. But no, Jezebel is way, way deeper than that. Way, way deeper than that. Okay? That's not even the surface of Jezebel. Uh, was she that way? Sexually immoral and such? Probably. Okay? But her main, her main game is control. She likes control. She'll use anything around her power to control, including sex. Okay, she'll include, she'll do that. Any, anything she can grab hold of. She lusts for power, and it's an illegitimate authority because it doesn't come from God. Um, and they're very, sometimes they can be so subtle, you don't even know you're dealing with a Jezebel. They can be so charming and influential. There are so many traits, but he goes into those details in that book. And one other thing I love about Brother Steve Sampson is he does not make it exclusive to women. It's not just women. It's men and women alike. Men that lust for power and manipulate their way around and are charming and got the sparkly tooth. And I mean, those, those are Jezebel spirits too, operating through those men. And where there's a Jezebel nearby, there'll be an Ahab. And I'm going to finish this story um, talking about Ahab and Jezebel. Um, Ahab was actually judged first, as we know, in the Bible. Does God always do that in every Ahab and Jezebel um, uh, scenario? I don't know. I mean, I don't think so. But in this particular story, in the original story, Ahab got judged first for his wicked and evil deeds. You see, there comes a day where God has had enough where he has heard the groans and the hurts of his people and people who have been done wrong, where God says he sends, he sends a prophet. He sends somebody to speak judgment. And those people fall from their place of authority. They are stripped from their place of authority. And it is the doings of the Lord. Amen. And it is for the goodness of God's people. And it is to bring goodness and blessing and life back into the, the land, back into the area, back into the situation. Okay, hallelujah. Um, as a side note, God is not going to place a, a word of judgment into the mouth of an immature believer. He is going to, the only person he's going to place a word of judgment in is somebody who understands the grace and the mercy and the long-suffering of our Father. God was God is not going to place a word of judgment in, in the mouth of somebody who will use it uh, for their own devices or who their heart isn't right before the Lord because the love of God accompanies His judgment. The Lord takes no um, pleasure in the punishment of the wicked. No, He does not. So, just as a side note. But isn't it interesting, in 1 Kings, last chapter, that Ahab was judged, and the word says in verse 35, and the blood of the wound, and the blood ran out of the wound into the midst of the chariot, and one washed the chariot in the pool of Samaria, and the dogs licked up his blood and they washed his armor according unto the word of the Lord which he spake so dogs licked up Ahab's blood and then we're going to pop over here and it was Naboth's vineyard 
earlier. Um, I know that those of you who have been drawn to listen to me, um, you are good and gracious to me, um, and that you have given, you are mature to listen to me in this way, and that you give me grace, and, and you know that I am human, and I make, uh, my brain makes mistakes sometimes, and I get turned around sometime in my scriptures. I, I just want to thank you for, um, um, giving me grace on those things. <laughs> so, um, the death of Jezebel is in uh, chapter 9 of 2 Kings. So, 2 Kings chapter 9. And she had to go down. There came a day where that power that was sitting in that place that was causing grief and sorrow and oppression, it had to go down. And that's what this is about. Jezebel has no authority over Elijah. You may have to retreat for a moment and you may feel exceedingly discouraged and very alone, but you are not alone. God has many others that he's raising up to pray for you, with you, and against the same, against that same spirit. Okay, as you seek God. Um, but Jezebel, let me read this a little bit. Um, verse 30. And when Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her face and tired her head and looked out a window. And as Jehu entered in at the gate, she said, Hath Zimri peace? Who slew his master? And he lifted up his face to the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? And there looked out to him two or three Enochs. Notice how Jezebel had castrated men underneath her. That's what Enochs are. Okay? Essentially, that's what they are. They are men that are dedicated to the service of uh, uh, in ancient times, the queen and so forth and so on. And uh, they wanted to make sure that they had no sexual interest, but they were there as more of a male presence of power. Okay. Um, but isn't it interesting that she had castrated, emasculated men underneath her. And he said, throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood was sprinkled on the wall on the horses, and he trode her underfoot. And when he was come in, he did eat and drink and said, Go, see now this cursed woman and bury her, for she is a king's daughter. And they went to bury her, but they found no more of her than a skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. Wherefore they came again and told him, and he said, This is the word of the Lord which he spake by his servant, Elijah the Tishbite, saying, In the portion of Jezreel shall dogs eat the flesh of Jezebel, and the carcass of Jezebel shall be as dung upon the face of the field in the portion of Jezreel, so that they shall not say, This is Jezebel. And she would be remembered no more, cast down from her place of authority. And I, I have had experience, and I won't tell stories about that, but I've seen a couple places in my life where Jezebel was cast down from the wall, so to speak, and stripped of her authority, where she was trying to cause destruction. I'm talking about real human beings. 
Okay, I'm not just talking about in the spirit. Yes, it can be in the spirit too, but most of the time it's operating through a person. And they, uh, they're very violent. One thing about Jezebel, she can be very violent, very dangerous even. She's a dangerous person. That's why it's important for God's people to stand up against that spirit. Warring first in the spirit, not in the flesh. And then follow the instructions of the Lord in the natural after that. Okay. All of God's judgments are righteous and true and merciful. If you were in a situation, my love, and you were being done absolutely wrong, and so you you took it to court because it was very, very wrong what was being done to you, and you had no other recourse. It was, it was your only place of hope of retaining whatever was being stolen or whatnot, whatever was going on. And you went into a courtroom. Wouldn't you be hoping in your heart of hearts that you got a righteous, right-standing, good, honorable uh, judge to judge over that situation? Of course you would. Of course you would. Well... Why do we as believers, so oftentimes we have a skewed idea of the judgment of God because of what has been um, falsely taught to us that we don't want the judgment of God. We've been trained not to want the judgment of God. But the judgment of God, He is the ultimate judge. He is the most right, the most right thinking, the most righteous, the most holy, the most loving. He does right all the time. We should want God's good, merciful, holy, right, and pure judgment to come into the earth to set things straight for God's, for the oppressed. You might be the oppressed right now. You might be going through a situation. God's judgment is not against you unless you're walking outside the will of God. God's judgment is not against you. Unless you are uh, continually, unless you're not serving God. But if your heart is right before the Lord and you are walking according to his word and you're serving him with all your heart, mind, and soul, pray for the good, holy, righteous, and merciful judgment to fall on the evildoers that they will no longer be able to do evil. That is a good thing. That is a good thing to plead the throne of God for. On behalf of people, you can pray for people you hadn't even met. Okay, hallelujah. God will do it. God will stand up for his people. This is not playtime Christianity. For some of you, I would suggest sending this to some people because they would probably just lose their mind over it because they've been, so many people have been taught that God doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. God, 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 God. It's like sometimes I won't look at them and say, are you reading the same Bible I'm reading? What God are you talking about? Are you talking about the same God that, that had the blood licked up of Ahab out of his chariot by dogs? Are you talking about the same God that had Jezebel thrown off of the wall? This was in the natural, in real life. Thrown off of out of the window and dogs ate her and there was only a skull and the palms of her hands and feet left? Are, are you talking about that same God? Because I don't, I don't know who you're talking about if you're talking about a God that doesn't have wrath sometimes. 
against wickedness, exceeding wickedness. Wickedness. We need God's righteous, whole, pure, and merciful judgment to fall in this earth. We need to be seeking God's face. When Jesus came the first time on planet earth, he came as a lamb to be slaughtered for our sin. But the second time he is coming as a lion with wrath against the wicked. And those that have hated God, those that have done horrible things, things that can't even be spoken that they have done. Wicked, dark, things that we shouldn't even speak of because it would cause us so much trauma if we knew some of the things that are done in secret right now on this earth, even as I do this podcast. So yes, I don't have any shame, hesitation, or anything to pray for the righteous, holy, pure, and merciful judgment of our great and mighty God. And the righteous will rejoice. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Reminds me of a verse. Psalm 107.2 Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Mm, I like that. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Um, God's been dealing with me about tornadoes. I don't know why. But I'm going to say something. I'm going to say it all in this podcast. I'm going to say as much as I can. <laughs> and y'all know because I'm Irish, I never say it the short way. I got the gift of gab, you know. You would think I got to kiss the Blarney Stone, but I did not. I didn't go to Ireland last year like I thought I was. Uh, long story short was a company that we were dealing with wouldn't let me travel over there without that uh pokey poke and I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna do the hokey pokey and so I didn't go and that's okay and it all worked out in the end sometimes things happen for a reason and things don't come through the way you thought they were gonna come through but in the end you will see it'll all work out to the end honey just keep walking hallelujah just keep walking so the Lord was dealing with me um about the fury of the Lord, the fury of the Lord. And the word that came to me was, um, I went forth in the fury of the Lord. And I thought, where is that in the Bible? And I had to look it up. And although I did not see, I went forth in the fury of the Lord, I saw in Jeremiah 23, verse 18, mm -hmm, through 20, and, and read the whole chapter. It's really, really good. 18 through 20, Jeremiah 23. But um, if you are walking with God and you are communing with the Lord, you know, when you walk with a friend, they share with you. You commune with that person. They share with you. And you're in tune with God. You're in tune with Him. Um just like these prophets in the Bible, they were in tune with God. There's no doubt about it. Um, they were his messengers to tell people what God was thinking. Okay? Um, if a prophet, like in this Old Testament, went forth in the fury of the Lord, um, it wasn't their own fury. It's a different fury. It's not the human f fury and anger and wrath that we get. Humanness. It is the uh, fury of the Most High God against continual, ongoing, unrepentant wickedness. God gets angry about that after he's been long-suffering for a very long time. 
And this passage is from 15 on out is directed a lot to the false prophets who were prophesying in that day, which I spoke on uh, back in 2020 in my podcast called If You If My People. Uh, if you go back and look that podcast up, up I talked about that, uh, talking about the false prophets. But this stuck out to me is this is very interesting. Don't miss this, okay? The word says that this is also for the latter days, and we're seeing it. Anybody that says we're not in the latter days, you might as well just get off this podcast because I talk about the latter days all the time, okay? Um, He's talking to the false prophets. He's also talking to them that despise me. We're going to refresh ourselves on that. Verse 17, they say unto them that despise me. Who's they? The, The false prophets say unto them that despise me. Those are the people listening to the false prophets and teachers. The Lord hath said, Ye shall have peace. And they say, say unto everyone that walketh after the imagination of his own heart, No evil shall come to you. It's all lies. All lies. Okay. And then he goes on to say, For who has stood in the counsel of the Lord? In other words, they weren't listening. Those false prophets weren't listening to God. Them that despise me, that crowd, they were certainly not listening to God because they just wanted to hear what they wanted to hear. They blocked God out. They went and found them somebody that'd say what they wanted them to say. Okay. And then he goes forth in his fury and he says, Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord is gone forth in fury. Even a grievous whirlwind, it shall fall grievously upon the head of the wicked. Now, what is a whirlwind translated in a modern day language? It's a tornado. Okay, it's what it is. It's a tornado. It is a tornado. A cyclone. Okay, and when you examine the traits of a tornado, a tornado forms quickly. Okay, uh, it forms quickly. It's two opposing forces of wind coming together and it starts to swirl. It comes down to the ground. Uh, it forms quickly. It is very destructive and very pointed and concentrated and it's very focused in its destruction that's why you'll see some towns you'll you'll see that have been hit by a tornado i've been in two tornadoes actually but you'll see uh, a town for example hit by a tornado and you may see some houses hardly got any damage at all and and then you look across the street and they and the house across the street got wiped off of the slab Okay, in a tornado, because it is a focused destruction. Okay, it happens quickly, and usually about as quick as it gets there is in, is as quick as it's gone. Uh, it's that's the nature of a tornado. So, behold, a whirlwind or a tornado of the Lord has gone forth in fury, even a grievous tornado or whirlwind it shall fall grievously upon the head of the wicked in other words it shall strike uh, swiftly the anger of the lord shall not return until he have executed until he have performed the thoughts of his heart okay i don't want to be on the bad side of god he's scary he's the only thing that i should be scared of and you too Oh, walk a straight and narrow path, my friends. 
in the latter days you shall consider it perfectly. In the latter days you shall consider it perfectly. And uh, upon reading this, I mean, I feel that God is about to start doing some focused and concentrated judgments upon different areas. And you're going to see it all everywhere. You're going to see it in local governments. You're going to see it in um, every kind of group you can imagine. You're going to see it in... um, He's going to begin to bring his whirlwinds of fury. And he's righteous and he's good. And it is to set things straight on behalf of his people. We are not down here in this last day hour by ourselves to fend for ourselves. Okay? With our food stores, rations, gardens, and whatever you're doing. Uh, that's not the way. That's not our, our, our only sustenance. It's God. He's going to be the one to stand up for the righteous in this hour. And some of it may look a little scary. But he's going to rearrange. I'm going to tell you something. If you don't think a tornado can rearrange some things, go visit someplace that's been struck by a tornado. I got the opportunity to do that back in 2020. It's a little town uh, that my cousins are pastors at. And they got hit by a terrible tornado. And it was right during quarantine time, so they didn't get a lot of attention because of all the attention that was being put on the quarantine. But um, it is, it's a mess, you know. Um, sometimes God wants to wipe a thing off of its foundation and start over. And, and that's a good thing. That he wants to restore and build new. Some of you may see a tornado sweep through your uh, uh, through your life in a, in a way. Not you, not directed at you, but you may see something sweep through that completely rearranges your life in a good way. Because God has said, I've seen enough. It's time for me to stand up here off of the throne and to point my finger and to bring righteous, good, merciful, whole judgment and then bring my restoration. Okay, understand that. I hope and pray you got something good out of this today. And God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. And no matter what goes on, and um, no matter what the weather looks like, no matter what kind of Jezebel spirits you may be in battle with, or Ahabs, or how many Jerichos have to come down out there, know that God will cause them to fall according to his righteous, good, and merciful judgment in your life. And that you are going to go forth and you're going to conquer all according to his will and his promises in your life. Hallelujah. And I pray that each and every one of you will walk in the mighty power of your most high God. And that you do not forget that you were ransomed, that you were bought and you were paid a dear price for. And that when you enter into the throne room of God to make your petition known, that you will remember how precious you were. And so that when you come before the Father, you realize that you are a blood-bought, redeemed, precious soul to God. And that you make your petitions known to Him under the blood of Jesus. And He's going to hear your cry. Hallelujah. Have yourself a blessed and lovely day.